listening to the Real Life Church Podcast. To learn more about Real Life Church, including our gathering times in Yuma, Arizona, visit us online at reallifeyuma.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Bob Van Horn. Well, hey, everybody. Glad you're here at Real Life Church with us today as we continue to march through this book in 1 Timothy. We've entitled this series, Church Matters, because the church really does matter. And additionally, there were a lot of things going on in that church there in Ephesus, a lot of church matters that had kind of gone sideways. And Paul instructs young Timothy to go and try to righten the ship. So we've been going through this. We're now finding ourselves picking up in chapter four. Um, This week, I did a Google search. And I want to read you some of the headlines that I came up with when I did my search. It's really the perfect intro to where we're going today. Why are so many young people falling away from the faith? In the United States of America, the decline of Christianity continues at a rapid pace. Most teenagers drop out of church when they become young adults. 65 million Americans have left the church. Church dropouts have risen to 64%. Nearly two-thirds of adults aged 18 to 29 years who grew up in the church have somehow dropped out. U.S. church membership falls below the majority for the very first time. The decline of Christianity shows no sign of stopping. I mean, if you read those headlines and you believe them to be true, well, first of all, there's a good chance you probably know someone who we're talking about, who's fallen away from the Christian faith. They once made a profession of faith in Christ and maybe even joined a Bible-believing church. Maybe um, they were even involved uh, in seminary or were actively involved in ministry, but over the time, they drifted away from God or deliberately just drifted away from the church. Maybe they were entangled or got entangled in worldly views or got themselves into moral problems, but today they would classify themselves as, well, no longer Christian. You might be saying to yourself, this could never happen to you. Well, I want to encourage you to take heed lest you fall. We're all vulnerable. And we're all at war with a cunning and deceptive enemy. We need to understand that this is a real issue that's happening all around us. Now, the verses we're going to look at here in Timothy, well, hopefully they're going to give us a little bit to understand why this is happening, at least why I think it's happening. Let's be on guard, okay, so that we don't fall away. Today's scripture, we're going to look at it from a couple different ways. Paul is referring to a time of explicit prophecy um, given to him by the Holy Spirit that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith. Is he referring back to the prediction concerning the apostasy that Jesus talked about in the end times? Did Paul receive a new revelation from the Holy Spirit on this matter when he wrote the letter? Did the latter times refer to the entire church age? Is there going to be some major apostasy before the Lord's return? See, Timothy writes these things and tells us to be on guard because back then, 
I want you to think about this. Back then, Paul was writing Timothy about a church who was probably three to five years old at that time about this great falling away that will take place. So let's kind of look at what what the Bible says today, okay? We're going to look at an interesting passage from chapter 4. We're going to look at the verse 5 verses as we go forward today. This is what it says. But the Spirit explicitly says, now that's an interesting statement all by itself. The Spirit explicitly says, you can count on this. That's what it says. You can take it to the bank. This is coming from the Spirit of God, okay? And here it is. It says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from food, which God has created to be what? Gratefully shared by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected. It's to be received with gratitude. It is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. What we're looking at here is a passage, again, that, that's talking about something that we've been seeing actually come more and more to light, that during the latter times, people will fall away from the faith. They're going to get wrapped up into all kinds of different things. Paul, back then, gave us two examples right here in this passage. There was a, a group of people out there that were saying, well, you can't get married. Okay, or you can't eat this food and you can't eat that food. And they were actually kind of confusing the issue. Today, we're seeing people fall away from the faith in droves. And I think there's a logical reason as to why. And I'm not here to place blame on anything or anybody, um, but just to communicate what we've just read. So let's get into it, okay? Paul said there's going to be a falling away. Not only does he say that, the Holy Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will fall. This does follow the same teaching that Jesus did in Matthew chapter 13. Okay? He talks about this, but in a way that maybe we're not quite following. He tells them a parable, and you've probably heard this parable over and over and over, but it's the parable of the sower and the seed. It kind of goes like this. A man goes out to plant a field, okay? In my own words, a man goes out to plant a field. In this case, the man is God. And the seed that he's planting is the message of his gospel. You know, the message, what we're talking about, that we're all sinners and uh, that we're all separated from God and that we can't save ourselves and that we need a Savior. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the message, right? That Jesus paid the penalty, um, through his death, his burial, and resurrection for sin so that we could be brought back into a right relationship with God, that we can confess our sin before God and live our life for him. You know that message, the seed of the gospel. Anyway, the man went out to sow that message in a field, and as he was sowing, that message fell on the path, okay? Not on the field, not where it was intended to be, and the birds ate it, and nothing happened, right? In the parable, the bird represents Satan, okay? And the seed represents the people who hear the message but really just don't respond to it, okay? 
they hear it, it's not for them, and, and they don't want anything to do with it, and it says that the birds ate the seed. Then he went on and he planted some more seed, and it fell on some rocky ground where there was a little foundation and um, little soil, but the seed sprouted, and it came up, and it really kind of died quickly in the sun. So the rocky ground kind of represents the people who respond to the gospel with an initial enthusiasm, but the word of God does not quite the kind of sink in with them, and they really don't get a foundation, and they don't really get good grounding in anything. And then when something happens, like an event in their life, or persecution, um, disappointment, or unmet expectations, well, um, they fall off. It's like people today who can't really commit themselves to Christian, well, what we've been talking about in Timothy, this whole idea of living a lifestyle of godliness, of, of, of obedience. And when it gets hard, they abandon what they believe. Well, the planter continues on, and he says that he throws um, some seed, but it gets in with the thorn bushes, and it grows up um, with the seed growing up and the thorns wrapped around it and the, the bushes wrapped around it, and it chokes out the message of the gospel. And again, we see that a lot today that we're coming up where Christians are coming up, but they're so worldly in their thoughts and they're so worldly in their actions that actually the world's value system is much more important than God's value system. And the plant dies. Today, a lot of people think and worry about that a lot, that that we're worried about way too much about getting forward in the world's economy instead of what God wants us to do. And we're adapting the world's you know, priorities and the world's belief system. And again, that seed, that gospel message gets choked out. And then, of course, we know that there's a parable that the, some seed fell on the good soil and it produced a crop that have a solid foundation and, and they're producing, well, if you want to call it fruit for the master. Anyway, that's what Jesus said back in Matthew chapter 13. And I think what hurts us today is we're seeing this message of the gospel fall on all different types of grounds, and there's only one good ground. The seed is out there, but there's only one good ground, and the rest of them, well, it's getting burned up, it's getting choked out, and some of it's just not even taking taking hold. And I know you're probably sitting there thinking again, like we started, that this could never happen to you. And I will tell you that um, that's what everybody says. This will never happen to me. This will never happen to me. And what Paul's trying to tell us is it can happen, it will happen, and it is happening, and I pray it doesn't happen to you. So what is behind all this? And this is where we kind of, you know, uh, lots of people have different opinions. I was listening to some radio shows this week, and people were offering their opinions, um, pastors offering their opinions as to why we're at where we're at. and. Um, there's lots of people to blame, and there's lots of organizations to blame, and there's pastors to blame, and there's churches to blame, and there's people to blame. But I'm going to tell you something. Maybe you don't want to hear this, but you need to hear it anyway. There's a great falling away because we're still, to this day, involved in a spiritual warfare that nobody wants to admit. I think we're so duped into thinking that our struggle is against a church or our struggle is against a pastor or our struggle is against a program or the way they do things, I think we've lost sight of things. 
Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against an enemy that is very real, that is out there to devour anything that stands for God. Why is there a great falling away today? Well, because the prince of the power of air, Satan, who controls actually and manipulates this world to do everything against God, well, it might think that he's winning, you might think that he's succeeding, but he's good at what he does. He loses in the end. You know that, and I know that. And he's looking to take down as many people with him as he possibly can. Really, what can I do to a Christian? You know, I personally believe in my own uh, conviction that you cannot lose your salvation once you have salvation. I think there's a lot of people out there that think they have salvation, but they really don't have it. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about those who really commit their heart and life over to God. You cannot lose your salvation. But listen to me. You can get so discouraged that your salvation doesn't mean anything. I mean, Satan can do, all right, or manipulate things around you. And if we're not careful, we'll find our chess piece, okay, that's on the board, all right, knocked over, and we're no longer, well, living for Christ. We're no longer being um, the witnesses for Christ. We're no longer being the ambassadors for Christ that God has called us to be. So, What I see happening today is that the spiritual, if you want to call it warfare, in this world has really ratcheted up. Matter of fact, if you believe those headlines, now Christians are no longer in the majority. All right? It used to be everybody thought that they were a Christian. Now people are walking away and saying, I don't even want to be a Christian. I mean, wow, we've come a long ways in just a few years, right? So without getting sidetracked, and I I could, okay, I could really get sidetracked in all of this, I want you to understand something, um, that we are all subject to this war, whether you want to recognize that or not. There is what, what I would say, and you may not like to say this, but there is demonic influence around us everywhere. I mean, if it was obvious, none of us would fall for it, right? Uh, But it's influence that's around. I mean, if it was a bunch of pigs, okay, that were possessed, yeah, we could get somebody, well, Jesus could cast them out, right? And they would fall off of a cliff. But the the demonic warfare that we're in today is so subtle, okay? And it is capturing people by the droves. I don't know, have you ever been ripped off by a con artist? I mean, uh, you know, he doesn't, a con artist doesn't walk up to you and say, I'm going to steal your money today. He doesn't do that, right? He doesn't have con artists tattooed across his forehead. So you all look at him and say, ah, that's a con artist. I'm, I'm not going to have anything to do with him. But unfortunately, that's not the type of warfare we're facing today. He doesn't walk up and say, I'm going to steal your joy, or I'm going to steal your salvation, or I'm going to steal what it is. What he does is he, conned you. He gives you a little bit of truth, a little bit of false. And that was exactly what was happening. Now listen to this. This is exactly what was happening in Ephesus. Back when Paul was writing this to Timothy, the con artists were out there and they were talking about things like, I'm going to forbid you. I'm forbidding people in ministry to get married. I'm forbidding you to eat certain types of food. Look, that's all a con. 
And Paul's talking about, hey, look, whatever God has given us for good, um, he gave it for good. Enjoy it because he gave it to you. But that type of con artistry is still around today. And I want to remind you again that our struggle, man, my struggle today is not against another church. My struggle is not against another pastor or even people who do things differently than the way I would do things. I'm going to tell you something. Our struggle is against, again, rulers and powers and world forces of darkness. And if we're not grounded in God's truth, well, that's the key. If we're not grounded in God's truth, we're likely to be swallowed up. And that's exactly, again, what Satan would want of you. And I, as your pastor, and if you're listening today, consider me your pastor today. Let me just say this. I want you to be prepared for the warfare that is around us. I don't believe this falling away is just a circumstantial event. Nor do I believe that the church has lost its power. And nor do I believe that Jesus is dead. This is a spiritual problem with a spiritual answer, and we need to adequately equip ourselves to be able to fight that battle. When Paul talks about falling away, he talks about an apostasy, okay? And he's talking about this as if it was happening during his time period. Good grief, what would Paul say today if he was living in this time period? Falling away has been happening a long time, and I'm going to tell you something. It wasn't in Paul's age. Falling away was actually, well, let's go back all the way to the garden. Men have been falling away from God since Genesis chapter 3. It's a spiritual problem. It's not a cultural problem. These spirits that are around us are deceitful. They teach doctrines and principles that don't have sound biblical truth. They have enough truth that you'll know it's not a con, and you'll believe it to be true also. So let me see if I can illustrate this without losing perspective. There is a wide movement today in American churches that minimizes the truth of God's Word. The side of Christianity that says that we have to love and adopt a peace at any cost, a position that dilutes and ultimately destroys the central truth of God's Word. They emphasize tolerance and doctrinal diversity, and if you speak against error, that side accuses you of being unloving and divisive. But if you go down that road, I'm going to tell you something. It's an unbiblical viewpoint that the truth doesn't matter. And that there is no such thing as sound doctrine. And that happens to be one of those reoccurring themes that we've been dealing with in the book of 1 Timothy. If there is no such thing as sound doctrine or sound truth or sound belief, then why is Paul hammering this through the first four chapters that we've been looking at? That the sound doctrine be taught. And I know it sounds like I'm talking in circles, but I want to be really careful here because here comes my other pet peeve, and this is more pointed towards us in the church. Not only do we need to be people of sound doctrine and truth, but listen to this next part because those of us that are real hot on the truth are real negligent coming to show grace and love to other people. And I know it sounds like I'm talking in circles, okay? 
But we can be zealous for the truth and shred relationships because we're so bent on the truth and the truth getting out there. You got to be careful because there's another form that Paul's talking about here that you know you have to look for it in order to be able to see it. And, and I think what Paul is really talking about in this passage when he's given us these examples of, again, not being married and not eating certain... You know what he's talking about? He's talking about being a Pharisee. He's talking about people who are doing things on the outside to prove that they're so spiritual on the inside. And see, that's the difference that Jesus talked about. Jesus talked about, have a relationship with me, develop that relationship with me on the inside, and the outside will follow. But there's a lot of people out there, even today, and I'm a, I'm a former recovering one of them, that was more concerned about doing things so other people would see how holy or how spiritual I was on the outside. It didn't matter what the inside looked like, right? Paul's trying to correct that. And he says, not only do we have to be people of the truth, but we also have to be people of grace and love. Now, why are so many people leaving the church today? It's because I think they saw the church stop being a people of grace and love. And they were all bent only on the truth of God's word, regardless. And I think, we have to have an equal balance of both. And if there is one thing that God has done in my latter life, in my latter part of ministry, it said, Bob, he tells me, Bob, preach the truth. Preach the truth. Don't go away from the truth of God's word, but make sure you love people and show them grace, just like I love you and you've shown grace to me. And that's something I'm learning. I'm still in the process of learning that and something that God continues to teach in my heart every day. It's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's about being a follower of Jesus. Well, we've talked a lot about today. I'm not an expert, okay? Um, but I know one thing. It saddens me to see where the church is today. It saddens me to see where, um, well, maybe we've even let it to be. Um, and I want to tell you something. I don't think we've seen the end of it. I only believe, if I continue to believe not only this piece of Scripture, but others that follow, that it's only going to get worse. And so for those of us that, the seed has fallen on the good soil and we're producing that crop or that fruit that's good for the master. Let's help others, first of all, let's help others choke out the weeds. Let's help others get their roots grounded in the good soil so that they too can produce. Because guys, I don't see it getting better. I only see it getting more and more difficult. So what do you do with this scripture? Man, hang on to God's truth. I mean, that's, that's priority one. Hang on to God's truth. Know what the truth of God's word says. And can I, can I encourage you in this also? 
don't know Bob's truth, okay? Don't know, I don't know, who do you listen to? Uh, Charles Stanley, Andy Stanley, uh, Greg Lowry, uh, James Dobson, um, whoever's out there, Francis Chan, whoever, the Rob Bells of the world. Look, don't know their truth. Their truth don't count. Know God's truth. I mean, I'm glad you're listening to me today, and I'm going to try to be as accurate as I possibly can be, but I'm not the source of your truth. It's God's Word. Hang on to His truth. It's the antidote to what? All the stuff that's around us. If we're not deeply rooted in God's Word, no wonder we get blown over here and blown over there. Is that really true? And what about this? And what about that? Look, know the truth. Don't have to concentrate on the stuff. The stuff is going to come in different ways, in different packages. It's going to come around you all the time. Know the truth. So, hey, we just did Vacation Bible School at our church, and I was thinking about that, knowing the truth. I was talking to our sixth graders. They were doing snacks, and um, I came up to them, and they were practicing their Bible verses. I walked up to them, and they were, I think, on day four about that day. And a lot of them, they knew Monday's verse. They knew Tuesday's verse. They knew Wednesday's verse. And they were working on Thursday's verse. And, and so I, I took one of those pastor moments. I looked at them and said, hey, why are, you, why are you memorizing God's word? And I love fifth and sixth graders because they're real honest with you. Oh, well, yeah, we're doing it because if we say all five verses, we get a prize. Well, that's pretty good motivation. I like that. I mean, there was, they were going to get a prize, and that's a pretty good motivation for learning God's Word, right? Because you're going to get a prize. I'm going to tell you adults the same thing. If you're listening right now, you're going to get a prize too, but it's not going to be something that's going to help you. Um, it's not going to be an ice cream cone. It's not going to be a chocolate bar. Um, that's not the kind of prize you're going to get. You're going to get something completely different. And so I asked those fifth and sixth graders, I said, do you think there's another reason why we're memorizing God's Word? And they really couldn't come up with one. They, they thought they were really just doing it because they could get a prize. And I said, you know, I think there's something a little bit more significant in this. I said, how many of you are going to go to school next year? And of course, all fifth and sixth graders said, yeah, yeah, I'm going. Okay. I said, so, uh, and the verse that they were memorizing that day was actually from Romans 12. It says, be at peace with all men. As far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. And so that was the verse they were memorizing. Um, they were doing the children's version of it. And um, I asked them, I said, you know, you're going to go to school next year and you're going to have one of those days and you're going to get into an argument with somebody or they're going to argue with you and you're not going to like each other for a minute. And then, you know what, hopefully you're going to remember this day that you're memorizing this verse. As far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. See, that's why knowing the truth helps me. Knowing the truth helps me do life because I'm going to be presented with all kinds of life circumstances and Knowing the truth will help me get through. So, know the truth. I hope you get it. I know it's kind of one of those things that um, is difficult. I know it's kind of a, 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 a tough subject and a tough concept. And I hope that, again, you'll take it and you'll look at it. Um, just continue um, to be in God's Word every day. Somehow, someway, through music, through the Bible app, through devotions, whatever it is, get into God's Word so you know the truth. All right? Let me pray for you. God, thanks again for our time. Um, God, um, this passage is a heavy passage, and I'm pretty passionate about it. Um, Lord, I see this taking place everywhere all around me. 
And God, it, it, it's, first of all, it breaks and saddens my heart um, to, to see um, this missing group of people that are um, in the church today that have just kind of said, I don't need the church. And I, maybe I understand a little bit of why they don't. Uh, maybe they've gotten hurt, and, or may, uh, maybe they've uh, seen something, or maybe they want something more than just church. And I, I, I agree with them 100%. God, it's going to be hard, though, to do life on your own, especially the Christian life, because that's where you've asked us to be together in community, as one put it, be in community for us to draw strength towards one another. And that when the times do come, and Father, they do come often now, when the attack is there, we, we have a group of people around us that can help us navigate through that. So God, I'm not sure where you're going to take this message and those that are listening today, but I pray, Father, that you'll help us um, as we grow in our relationship with you. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I want to invite you back next week, okay? Um, we're going to get back into it. We're going to talk about one of the things that's going to help you during this time that we're saying of this great falling away, all right? Can't wait to see you back next time. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at reallifeyuma.com or download the Real Life Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Real Life Church Podcast.